Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are listening to the solar panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Hey, good morning there. Welcome to another edition of the Sun Solar Panel. I appreciate you all joining us. I know it's early on a Saturday morning for some of us. Uh, You could be listening at any point. You could be listening uh, any day, any time. So we appreciate you coming. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We have a three-person panel today. Uh, Brandon is off enjoying himself in a bachelor party in Vegas. Uh, so we are not going to be bothering him. I told him enjoying it could be like a, it could be like a, yeah, it could be like, uh, the, the ideal, the perfect solar panel. If we had drunk Zona on to talk about the Phoenix suns completely, we, we could have him walk us around the hotel room and be like, it'd be just like the, the hangover, the movie. Yeah. Um, but we're giving him the day off. So what we've got, we've got Jake, a.k.a. Coach Fallen Founder, joining us today. How's it going, Jake? Doing well, doing well. I feel a little bit like I'm drunk at a bachelor party with how the Suns have been playing. So, But that's just a normal state of these following true. the Phoenix Suns. We all feel a little drunk. And then what I have in the middle, in between us, the guy who is going to give us a dose of realism, the guy who's going to tell us, what's all wrong with the Suns and how the Suns are not going to win the NBA finals. They might not even win their first round matchup. They, they might not even make the playoffs. I'm not oh, convinced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have Lucas Hahn. Lucas Hahn, longtime blogger of the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, been a friend of mine um, and, and, you know, a basketball friend of mine for years. And he's, he's just been great. Used to write for SB Nation, now writes for 213 Hoops. And uh, Lucas, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm uh, excited to come, uh, you know, bring some bring some rain on your parade. Well, I hope you don't mind uh, me wearing the NBA Finals hat that the Suns earned at the expense of the Clippers last year. No, it's okay. You, I, you, you deserve it. You deserve it. You know, my my, I said at the time, I said, listen, do I think the Clippers would have won this series if Kawhi Leonard had played? Yeah. But the Suns were good enough to make it, and you you play the teams in front of you. You know what I mean. I wouldn't be uh, I would be wearing the hat if Chris Paul had been out the whole series and the Clippers had won. So, so those that's right. The you don't discount the wins just because of who you played. Uh, so, but that was uh, the Clippers were very competitive last year in the playoffs. They they actually beat the Jazz without Kawhi Leonard, uh, but just ran into the uh, ran into the Phoenix Suns at the wrong time for them. Uh, we are going to focus first of all. This is how our, our show is going to go. We're going to focus on the last week for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, 
uh, the Phoenix Suns, who out now have 60 wins on the season. And they almost got to 60 wins before anybody else got to 50, uh, but not quite. It was it was close. And then, then we're going to talk about Booker's candidacy for MVP. And I'm really curious of an outsider's point of view. I really am. Um, totally, we're going to give Lucas all, all, all the room to talk about this and what he thinks an MVP should be. Uh, and then we're going to take some true-false questions on the West playoffs and who, who the Suns might face, who the Clippers might face, how it might work out for the Clippers. And then we'll close out with a what's next, uh, what's upcoming over the next week for the Suns. So buckle in, folks. We have our solar panel ready to go. First thing we're going to do is recap this past week. So when we last spoke to you last Saturday morning, uh, I predicted a 3-0 week. Uh, most of us predicted a 3-0 week, even though two of those wins were against playoff-level teams. And the Suns actually did go 3-0. They beat the Sacramento Kings last Sunday. Then uh, in two very contentious games, two very contentious games, the Suns beat the Wolves on Wednesday and the Nuggets on Thursday in back-to-back. Jake, tell me what your takeaways, your biggest takeaways are from the three games. Ooh, well, first off, as an homage to our uh, Suns Jam session, guys, I'm going to pop there them you if go. I got them, although it's in the morning, so it's a LaCroix. Hey, uh, Surge, Surge first, the Surging Suns first, and then the Jam session guys have also, they drink every, they've been drinking every show. Surge has been chugging with the fellas every every win. I think he's still drunk because uh, he hasn't stopped <laughs> drinking in the past year and a half. So good for you, Serge, and all you guys. I will chug some coffee for you. No, the, uh, the last three games have just been phenomenal. I mean, it was a little nerve-wracking with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, you know, it was a little too competitive uh, for me. But that was the concern, right, is that we, are very, we were very likely going to get the number one seed no matter what. So is Monty going to start to rest players? What's going to happen? Uh, minute restrictions. And of course, we didn't expect that Chris Paul would necessarily come back as soon as he did. But uh, obviously, the t- the Timberwolves and the Nuggets game were phenomenal. I was actually in Denver. I wasn't at the stadium for it, but uh, uh, at the arena for it. But uh, the look of very sad Denver Nuggets fans walking out, and it was it wasn't it wasn't like oh geez, we, we almost beat you guys, or and it wasn't mad about Suns and Four. It was just how how do you how do you beat the Suns was kind of the look on their faces. Uh, there was just a lot of frustration, which obviously they've dealt with a lot of injuries as well, but uh, just two very strong wins to finish out the week. And what a, what a way to make sure you wrap up the number one spot. Lucas, I don't want to put you on the spot because you probably don't watch all 30 teams in the association. Uh, but did you catch, what's your, what did you see or hear third hand, you know, about the, the Suns this week, anything at all? I mean, I, you know, I, I normally box score skim, uh, maybe some some highlights. But I think what's most impressive is just through this stretch without Chris Paul, even, you know, not just this week, like they only have two losses in March. And I think that probably a lot of folks felt like, oh, well, you know, the Suns will be fine. They're way ahead coming into, coming into this stretch where they were going to be playing without Chris Paul. But I don't think a lot of people thought like, oh, yeah, they're going to have this, you know, a, what is it now in March, uh, 11 and 2 in March mm. and Chris Paul obviously went out a little before that, but yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's just really impressive. I think that they're a team that, and this, you know, comes up a little bit with the MVP conversation too. They're not really dependent on, on necessarily one guy. They're just a well-oiled machine. They run their stuff and uh, it's kind of like a buzzsaw, you know, you run into them, uh, you know, in a series, it, 
it reminds me of Utah, though. The, the Suns are much better than the Jazz. They're much more legit than the Jazz, so I don't want to downplay them. But it is that type of thing where it's just like they've got a they've got a th- uh, thing that works. They run their stuff, and you have to just be really, really good uh, to beat them. Did you did you hear anything about uh, how the Denver Nuggets uh, in the in the pregame intros the other night they put Amir uh, Coffee's head over uh, Devin Booker's name in the player intros? Had you heard that? I, I no, I did not hear about they that. They used Amir yeah. Coffee's headshot over Devin Booker in the in the introing the starting lineups in the in the uh, arena. And- <laughs> Anyway, Booker said that was an accident or no, <laughs> no, man, he said, imagine yeah. if Kendall was there. She would have had some questions about who she's been dating this whole time. Mere coffee's like, yes. Guy, you know? <laughs> Booker's um, a handsome guy. After the game, Booker uh, Booker was asked if he saw the um the, the Clippers game op people having done that. And he said, Oh, of course I did. Uh and you know, good on them. They got a good team over there. They got me going. Booker went out and scored 49 points and had 10 assists on top of that. It wasn't just 49 points. He only took 25 shots to get the 49 points and he had 10 assists on top of that. Five of those were three pointers. So overall Booker contributed 74 points to the game <laughs> to beat those Denver nuggets. Uh, so maybe don't do that. Uh, uh, next time if you don't want to, uh, inspire Devin Booker to even better, better heights than he usually has. Uh, your point on, um, look, is your point on Chris Paul, the sun's not depending on any one player. We're going to talk about MVP here in a minute, um, and who wins MVP and who doesn't and, and, and the narratives and things like that. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that in just a minute. Let's finish out the recap a little bit. Mm-hmm. The sun's did finish, uh, sun's went 11 and four without Chris Paul. However, Three of those losses were without also either Devin Booker or their backup point guard, Cameron Payne. And as a Clippers fan, I think you're pretty getting pretty used to um, having to go without a real point guard or anybody who really runs the show on a regular basis and having to go with that egalitarian kind of offense where everybody kind of has to, has to partial create. Uh, so um the Suns, yeah, their three of those four losses were without either also Devin Booker or Cameron Payne, the backup, as well as Chris Paul. Um, and so let's talk about the Clippers for just a second. They did – I'm pretty sure they lost last night uh, on Friday did, night, yeah. right? I stopped I like, watching when I like they were four. down 20-something. Yeah, I switched over to the college games. Okay. Uh, yeah, so the Clippers have had an up-and-down season. Let's recap them a little bit because we're going to get into them in the third quarter of the, of the show. Um, but – Real quick, they have been going without a point guard. And I want to make that point that the Suns, three of those four losses were without even a secondary playmaker. Um, what's it like in Clipperland having to having to basically mix and match uh, without Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard this whole season? I mean, it's been it, – they really have been kind of going night to night. You know, uh, Reggie Jackson is the only real primary ball handler on the roster and, you know, we love Reggie. Reggie has has been great as a Clipper, but he's not a uh, good. You're not a good team if Reggie Jackson is the like centerpiece, right? Reggie Jackson is basically Devin Booker plus Chris Paul to us, uh, which is why mm-hmm. the Clippers are below 500 and the Suns are number one in the league, right? So 
Yeah, it's been night to night. And you look at, you know, guys like Amir Coffey, who, you know, he's on a two-way contract, third year with the Clippers on a two-way contract, coming in, starting some games, having 20-plus point games, random games where Luke Kennard hit six threes, Marcus Morris, you know, bringing a little more consistency, scoring from the forward positions. But offensively, it's been a roller coaster. And, I mean, it's been rough. The Clippers, I think the only teams that are worse offensively than the Clippers are the Pistons, Magic, Rockets, and Thunder. So the Clippers have, have been very, very bad on offense this season. Um, it's, you know, as you alluded to with, you know, Cameron Payne, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, like when all of these guys are out, it's just a personnel issue. And it's a personnel mm-hmm. issue for the Clippers as well this season. Uh, Ty Lu said at one point in January that the Clippers have a lot of guys who can eat, but not very many guys who can cook. And uh, that definitely has been the case this season. You know, the Clippers last season were probably the best three-point shooting team in NBA history, but it's all built around Kawhi getting doubles at the elbow. Uh, Mm -hmm. When you don't have that, you're not generating those looks. So the Clippers are still shooting the ball very well this year, but they're struggling to get as many attempts up. And yeah, I mean, you know, it has been a, it has been a kind of night to night on the ropes journey for the Clippers. And that's why I think, frankly, they're on this losing streak right now because they're locked into the eighth seed. And so, and they've been kind of going all out, you know, Reggie Jackson playing 42 minutes in, a game so you can squeak out a win over the Pistons type of stuff, right? Uh, and then you finally get to this point where it's like, okay, you know, 12 games left in the season, we are locked into eighth, and the foot comes off the gas. And that definitely has happened in the last couple of weeks for the Clippers. It has been a a listless couple of weeks uh, for the team. I think they're hoping that uh, maybe they can, you know, recover some energy, maybe recover some players, and make one last little push to build some momentum before the playoffs. So let's give folks a little bit of context. You you talk, Lucas, about the Clippers being locked into the eighth seed pretty much. And that is very true. So while the top seven seeds in the West have 43 or more wins, the Clippers right now have 36 wins in, in the eighth spot. And then you've got to go five more wins down to get to the New Orleans Pelicans and Los Angeles Lakers, both with 31 wins. Uh, on the season, five. There's only what? Uh, how many games do the Clippers have left? Is Clippers it eight, have, nine, or ten? The Clippers have um, seven, I think. I think they have seven, seven. You're left. right. Thirty six and thirty nine. They've played seventy five already. Yeah. So basically, there's no way the Clippers are not going to get eighth. So we'll talk about. Okay, we'll come back around and talk about the play in tournament and how that's structured for um, Suns fans are so feeling so fortunate we don't have to worry about the play in. Um, we'll talk about how LeBron James no longer wants to fire the guy who uh, came up with the play-in idea. We'll get to that in just a minute as well. Um, a couple more comments on the Suns. They are on a seven-game winning streak, six of those without Chris Paul. Chris Paul returned for one game against the Nuggets, and he had 17 points and 13 rebounds and, or 13 assists, and it looked like he hadn't even missed a beat. And what's amazing about this Suns team is that they didn't need any time to reincorporate Chris Paul because they kept playing the same way without Chris Paul. They kept playing the same way. Cameron Payne actually came in and almost put up Chris Paul statistics 
on a nightly basis. He plays the game obviously a little bit differently. He gets his shots a little bit differently. He takes a different number of shots. He's not as efficient, but he still had about 10 assists a game in this offense. And uh, he's been he's been a real revelation. And, and the Suns have proven that they can actually win games without Chris Paul, which does impact the MVP. Um, and we'll talk about that in just a second. One last comment is that the Suns now have seven straight games of 125-plus points scored. When, Lucas, do you – I'm going to put you on the spot. You probably don't know this answer, and if you do, I'm going to be wondering how you how you knew it. Um, so tell me, when do you think is the last time a team scored 125-plus points seven straight games? Oh, man. Uh, I'm trying to think of teams that would be capable of doing it, but it's probably more random than that. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to skip like a whole generation of basketball and say, it's going to be like in the nineties when they were scoring like crazy, but I don't, I I can't pinpoint who or when, I mean, it might even be the sun, the Suns. I feel like uh, in the nineties had some of these crazy high scoring record games. Um, I think the nuggets did as well. Um, yeah, what's what's our answer? Well, Jake, I want to give you a chance. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I would guess the when the Warriors were uh, setting the league on fire and doing title runs. In the 2015 to 18 yeah. range? Is that what you're saying? All right, folks in the chat, uh, let's see what kind of comment. 2018 Warriors, 95 Nuggets, 91 Blazers, uh, something in the 90s, Sundress Dunks. Um, yeah, you know, it's been that long. I'm the only one with gray in my hair here on this show. The nineties was actually the slowdown decade when the Knicks dominated. So the nineties is just slightly off, but you guys are on the right track back in the high scoring years. It's actually been since the 1988. Wait a minute. Hold on. This is an opportunity here. Yeah, I got to feed myself now. You know, there's there's cooks <laughs> and eaters in this kitchen. Um, so we've got the 1988-89 Denver Nuggets. 23, no, 30-some uh, years. 30-some years. I can't even count this early. 33 years? Yeah. Uh, since the last time a team scored 125-plus points in seven straight games. I actually went back and looked at that stretch. For the Nuggets, and they were actually in the 130s every time. <laughs> I think their lowest game was in the 130s or 140s. It was just crazy. That was the Doug Moe years uh, coaching those Denver Nuggets. That's the last time. And this is six of those games without Chris Paul being the the leader. The Suns are actually first or second in the league in assists since the All Star break, of which Chris Paul's only played one game. So there's your big stat me of the day, folks. Uh, let's move on to, uh, well, first of all, Jake, I haven't let you talk much. Um, any other takeaways on this past week of basketball or what the Suns have done uh, until getting Chris Paul back? Well, I, actually, uh, uh, your stat me actually just made me think of this question. So uh, uh, stat me, Dave, uh, is it true that the Suns were actually scoring more with Chris Paul out? Ooh. I, th- I actually, uh, I think that's what I was hearing. Talking, I, I don't have Cause I'm going to look it up. I've yeah. actually got that uh, right in front of me. So help me out uh, in the chat too, because I thought I was hearing that the Suns were playing at a faster pace because Chris likes to slow it down a little bit, grind uh, the opponent down. Uh, so I think the Suns were actually 
putting some more points uh, together. Before the All-Star break, the Suns averaged 113.7 points per game. Uh, and their pace was around ninth. After the All-Star break, since the All-Star break, it's 121.4. However, I will say that the entire league's offense has suddenly exploded since the All-Star break. Milwaukee Bucks lead the league with 123.8 points per game. And this is over 13, 16, somewhat game. You know, Milwaukee has played 13 games. The Minnesota Timberwolves are second with 123.8. Suns are third with 121.4. Grizzlies at just under 121. Um, And the Pelicans at 119 and so on and so forth. Pre-All-Star, over 50-some games, the highest scoring teams were – 113.8, which is the Suns were only 0.1 points per game off of. Uh, That's that's just incredible. Yes, the Suns were scoring better and have been scoring better, but so is everybody else in the league. But still, the Suns are top three or four uh, both times. Well, and let's not forget that the national media said that when Chris Paul went down that the Suns were going to fall. Uh, in the state carry the I mean, hell on exactly the, yeah the that was Kendrick that Perkins who yeah. said now Devin Booker has to prove now he's Kevin Kendrick Perkins to his credit he's usually been in the Suns corner among the national yeah. media um, but he did say that the Suns would not be able to win games without Chris Paul and the Suns did prove that they can win without anybody they are currently they are 18 and three without DeAndre Ayton they are eleven and four without Chris Paul, and they're eight and three without Devin Booker. Now, um, Lucas is sitting here with the screw you all face because he's been uh, sixty games without <laughs> Paul George and seventy five games without um, um, Kawhi Leonard this year. So he's like, screw all of you people. And they, and they trade <laughs> they trade for Norman Powell, right? Come in and finally oh, have a twenty point per game scorer, and he comes yeah. in and he he had an amazing first three games. He had a career high assists in his yeah. third game, and, and then, then he goes breaks out. his foot in that game. And Has broken foot is not something an NBA player comes back quickly from. Yeah. All right, so we do feel bad for you. Uh, the Suns <laughs> actually are third in the in the league, in, and people don't recognize this. And, and Lucas, you're not going to feel sorry for us. I understand the, the violin is super small. But Suns are third in the league in games missed by impactful players in terms of win shares. Third most uh, missed games by impactful players in terms of win shares. Guess who's number one? Yeah, I think I, I think I think the Clippers are about not only number one, but I think about four times as many as number yeah. two. <laughs> yeah, there's there's the Clippers with the bubble that doesn't even fit on our screen, and then there's the Suns with the third biggest bubble. I, I think the, Clipper, the Clippers have more than like the next five combined or something. It's, yeah, it's so pretty bad. sad because yeah, even I mean, even beyond, you know Chris Paul or um you know Chris Paul misses some games right like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have essentially missed the whole season, but then. Nico Batum and Marcus Morris have both missed 20 plus games. You know, it's like, it just adds up. Luke Kennard missed 10 games. Don't say the whole name. Okay. We don't, that's like red rum or that's like, you know, bloody Mary or something like, don't, don't do that. That's, that's should a I say, bad. Should I say it three times? No. Jake can that's spin what I'm around saying. in his chair. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll go Jokic and shove him in the back. Uh, like, like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's twice now you've said Marcus Morris's full name. You can't say it again. <laughs> <laughs> no more. Um, okay. Now let's move on to the MVP discussion. So what's interesting is because I wanted to bridge to this 
Okay. And the, the, the whole buildup of the past week and what the Suns have done without Chris Paul, what the Suns have done without Devin Booker, what the Clippers have done without their stars um, leads to narratives on, in, on all on postseason awards. See awards for what players have done and coaches have done in the regular season. So that leads to our second section of the, of the show here. We're going to talk end of season awards. Now, Devin Booker, um, chose when the Suns sealed, uh, uh, locked in the best possible record in the in the NBA and, and the West in terms of playoff seeding with their 60th win the other night. Now the Suns are just playing out the string and they're just trying to, you know, set maybe the franchise record for wins in a season. But otherwise, there's nothing really to play for. So you got in that void, in that vacuum, you've got nothing to think about except what about me? And the what about me is Booker saying, why aren't I in the MVP conversation? Although he didn't say it out loud. We know he's thinking it. Why isn't he in the MVP conversation? He was tweeting back and forth with Isaiah Thomas, the original Isaiah Thomas with one less A, um, uh, back and forth about being an MVP level player. Uh, so we know he's thinking it. But he also said, why is Monty, why is it even a question that Monty Williams is coach of the year or not this year? And a guy who is, and what I want to do is talk to you for a second, Lucas, about a guy who is going to be in that top three for coach of the year, as long as they get out of this win, uh, losing streak, um, is going to be Ty, Ty Lue because he's played, he's coached so much without his two best players the entire season and gotten them into a playoff position. Um, what do you think between like, like a coach? If you've got all the talent in the world and you carry them to the by far the best record in the league, is that being a better coach than and and you know dealing with a few injuries or is the better coach, the one who carries their, their team missing their two best players that they built the entire team around into a playoff position who deserves more votes in coach of the year, Lucas. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, I think there, uh, I wouldn't be even, uh, you can, you can hold me to this. I'm not sure that Ty Lue will make the three finalists for coach of the year. And I won't complain if he doesn't. Uh, he's been great. If they're, you know, if you were to rank the top 10 coaches this season or whatever, if you were to tell me you could pick one coach to have going forward, I would take Ty Lue. I think he's amazing in playoff series in particular. The Clippers are below 500, you know, uh, and I don't think they're going to finish above 500. And that's not to say that where they are with the players they miss yeah. isn't super impressive. And it, it hasn't been largely due to him, but I'm I'm fine with him not even be, being a finalist for that. Uh, I think you look at you know JB Bickerstaff in Cleveland, Taylor Jenkins in Memphis, Chris Finch in Minnesota. Like there are guys who have I think a better case to go up against Monty than Ty Lue does because you have teams that are exceeding expectations and good. Like the Clippers are exceeding expectations, but they're still bad, right? Uh, but you know. Uh, Cleveland, you look at them with like Laurie Markkinen playing small forward. Everyone into coming into the season was like, this is not going to work. What are the Cavaliers doing? And J.B. Bickerstaff has turned them into yeah. a good team, although they've they've lost their luster a little bit as the season has worn on. Uh, you look at, you know, M Memphis really catapulting themselves into the elite conversation this season. Uh, you know, the Suns are a team we knew would be an elite team coming into the year, right? So Monty's done a great job. Um I wouldn't have, I would probably rank Ty Lue fifth after those four guys. And then you talk about Eric Spolstra, you know, number one seed in the East right now, um, you know, throwing a clipboard. Mm -hmm. uh, wow. Yeah, great, great coaches throw clipboards. So um, 
<laughs> so so they're, and they they're, and they get in the face of their players rather than letting somebody else do it. Yep. <laughs> so so there are great uh, there there are great coaches around the NBA. Um, yeah, I mean, I won't. I'll say I won't. Um, I won't think it's a great injustice if Monty doesn't win, or even you know if they decide to put in the top three, Bickerstaff, Finch, and um, and Jenkins. Then I'll be like, yeah, that's probably you know, that seems fair. That seems fine to me. But if they put, I would also be fine if if Monty won and one of those guys got left out. I mean, I think you're picking, um, you know, it's it's a bunch of amazing options. Yeah. In terms coach, of coach uh, uh, Greg Popovich, who who Monty, you know, obviously sees as one of the greatest coaches ever. All of us do. Popovich did not win many Coach of the Year awards, even though his Spurs won fifty plus games for twenty some straight years and four championships in those years. Or was it five? Might have been five. So um, that's that's one of the things going against Monty. Jake, what do you think? I think the national media does not know who to attribute uh, the success of the Phoenix Suns to mm. right now. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they, they if it's for MVP, it's oh well, he's just Devin Booker's just outside the top ten scoring, so we really can't give it to him. And it's uh, well. He, but he's has putting up phenomenal stats on the best team by far record wise in the league. Yeah, but can't give it to him. Okay. Well then you want to give it to Mikel Bridges defensive player of the year. Yeah. But Rudy Gobert really changes. And you want that, that glass, uh, you know, defender that, uh, you know, uh, somebody that's going to block some shots. Okay. Then you got to give it to the coach who should have won last year. Monty should have won last year. Thibodeau, that that's every everyone that voted for Thibodeau should have egg on their face now, and to uh, so it should go to Monty, and if it does not, I, I mean th- this idea that oh we thought you were going to be bad but now you're good so you're uh, coach of the year that doesn't make any sense. Um, and I'll say this I I do love the contrast of coaches like Spolstra getting in their players' faces and then you see just like Monty and interview him after the game. It's like yeah I just really wanted to call up Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And I said, I'm really going to need you guys to play some good defense right now. And they just did it. <laughs> and they up. just did it. I've been great players that I can just coach up. And, you know, he, he he's like that parent that doesn't get mad at you. He just goes, I'm just disappointed. And, and oh, all, <laughs> all the kids start, oh, geez, I, I disappointed him. I got to step up. So we should have coach of the year. We should have defensive player of the year. And I think Booker should at least be in the running. I, I won't come out and say he's got to win it, but the, obviously there's more to discuss on that. But now that uh, the Joker is slipping out, potentially of the top six um, in uh, record standings, and Embiid might be resting a little bit, that seems really strange to have your most valuable players kind of not really dominating the league like the Suns have been. Yeah, so let's, let's move on to uh, most valuable player. Uh, that is an, a really interesting uh, award because it's generally given to the guy who is not only the best player, but also the player, if he misses sometimes, your team completely falls on its face. So Steve Nash, one of the reasons, um, us in Sunsland, one of the reasons the Phoenix Suns, uh, Steve Nash won back-to-back MVPs was not only because he was an exciting player on a really up-and-coming team, a uh, really fun team to watch. The Suns completely lost it on minutes he wasn't on the court, and they completely lost it in games he missed. They started 31 and four in, in the 0405 season. Steve Nash, Steve Nash uh, had some kind of injury. I forget what it was. He missed six games. They lost six straight. 
And then he comes back and they went and they finished with 62 wins on the year. Um, they just fell apart. And that's what happens is we give MVPs to the teams who fall apart when that player is not on the floor. Um, does that mean that Steve Nash owes his MVP awards to Leandro Barbosa because Barbosa was such a bad backup point guard? And should Devin Booker actually blame campaign for, uh, or should Chris Paul blame campaign for neither of those two guys not being able to win MVP this year? Should that be a, like an infighting? Uh, you know, Cam, can you play worse, please? So that we lose games and, and I look like more of an MVP. It's just crazy. <laughs> well, and, and I think if you look at, there, there's a few teams, uh, like I'm, I'm thinking right away, like uh, LaMelo Ball with the Hornets. Should we give him the MVP? Because if he was not there, they would be absolutely horrible. And Well, uh, you have to actually have the if. You have to actually have the when not there, they were horrible. Either the minutes when they, the player doesn't play. So I don't know what the Hornets do when, when LaMelo Ball sits, but you're right. He, he's like but Luka I, Doncic. No. One of the reasons Luka Doncic is at the top of the MVP conversation every year is because Dallas is well. People think he's going to be MVP because Dallas is 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 so um, hypercentric on Luca, but then Dallas went and won most of their games when Luca sat this year. So guess what? He's not in the MVP conversation anymore. Mm-hmm. Same player. But I, I don't even uh, you know I don't understand this logic at all. So are we going to tell Michael Jordan to send his MVPs back because when he left to go play baseball for a little bit, the Bulls still had a fantastic record. I mean, no, anyone that's a basketball purist would say, "Oh, geez, Jordan, one of the t- greatest players of all time," after uh, Charles Barkley, of course. But uh, I mean, you have to look at it from the perspective that uh, to me it was always simple: what is the best team? which team is the best and who's the best player on said team. That's usually one of, to me, the biggest, uh, like the easiest way to filter it out because there's so many times like Russell Westbrook, when he won it for just filling up the stat sheet with the thunder. Yes. He was important because if he didn't do that stuff, nobody was going to do it. But is he going to, is his, is what he's giving his team, winning basketball that's the whole thing and of course that's what every Suns fan is talking about right now is I don't care if you give us the MVP coach of the year defense player of the year we'd appreciate it (laughs) but we want the title but that's the thing we want more than anything you know ultimately ultimately the Suns want the title and that's what they said this past year and all that when they're fighting for position that's that's all I'm just saying that in this vacuum of not playing for anything for the next two weeks this is going to be part of the conversation. Chuck's to bar. John Morant is definitely getting DQ'd per these thoughts. Absolutely. John Morant was a top seven, top five MVP ladder guy on NBA.com. Except now he's not. And why? Because the Grizzlies are winning without him. That same exact thing is happening to John Morant. He is the, the poster child for an MVP candidate because Derek Rose won MVP in, was it 2001? Uh, Derek Rose won MVP. I don't know. It feels like it was a long time ago. Maybe it was 2011. I, I forget. Yeah, I think it was 2011. I think it was that 2011. Year. Okay. Yeah. Um, and as a 21 year old, because he was just so like John Morant is this year, but the problem is Memphis is not dying when John Morant sits. And so he's out of the picture. Um, I, I, I understand it's a, it's, it's a, it's a fine being finalist among the, among the high seed centers and all that, but I don't, I don't think Jokic will win it for that reason. 
Hey, let's take just a minute to talk about our friends at DraftKings. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers, just bet 5 bucks on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do win. It's that simple. They win, you win. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. That is a lot of money. Jump in there, get involved, and you can make some money too. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. That's T-B-P-N. Bet $5 on any college hoots team to win, and you'll get $200 in free bets if they do. They win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Got to be 21 plus. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Lucas, what's your thoughts on MVP? Yeah, I mean, you know, so many of the the MVP debates come around to kind of talking in circles about differing criteria, right? Like uh, if if I'm going to go with net ratings swing on off and you're going to go with best player on the best team, we're we're picking different guys like I, Devin, Booker is, yeah. Devin Booker is the best player on the best team. Jokic is the guy who has the most dramatic on-off swing of any star in the league, right? So, like, it's really a matter of what, what comes down to value. And we reach yeah. a point where – I mean, it is it is a lot like the coaching conversation where you're picking between, uh, you know, guys have legitimate cases. Like, Devin Booker is the best player on the best team. He's having a really good year, 26-5-5. Five and five, Great record without Chris Paul. Um, but you look at that, you also think – but the Suns, you know, what, what is value, right? Well, the Suns can win games and would, you know, their record, if you project out the pace they went out when Booker's out, they'd still be the one seed in the Western Conference. Uh, now we know that he, right. that he raises the ceiling for them in a way mm-hmm. that is really important, that he's the centerpiece of what they do offensively. But, uh, you know, is the, is the added value there more marginal or is it more of a playoff added value, right, when you talk about putting stars in playoff games than in the regular season where they can kind of hum along, you know, with or without him for a couple of weeks at a time. Uh, and Jokic is the guy who like the nuggets are good, not great. Right. But they're 12 games above 500. They've, you know, they were 500 ish for a while and I was kind of cold on that, but now they're 12 games above 500 and they just like every game you, you look at the box score for them. There, there are 50 games this year where they've won by three and Jokic is a plus 18. Right. Um, and and he is the guy also when he's on the court, you look at who he's playing with. And, you know, these guys are professionals, but it's like Jamichael Green and Austin Rivers, you know, are out there mm-hmm. on the court with him for 36 minutes a night. Like these are guys who wouldn't be in Phoenix's rotation. So um, so I actually still if I had a vote, I would vote for Jokic for MVP. But I do think that Booker would. Um, be either third or fourth on my ballot. And and as a little piece of, of history for you guys, uh, Blake Griffin finished third in MVP voting in 2014, playing alongside Chris Paul. Chris Paul did miss some time that year, uh, but he still played 62 games. So it's not like he you know mm-hmm. was totally out of the lineup. Uh, and Chris Paul actually had the better on-off swing than Blake Griffin in that year. Uh, the Clippers had the third best record in the league, not the first best record. And, and Blake Griffin, I mean, maybe you could say just in terms of general stats, you know, comparable. I think he had like 25, 10 and four that season. Booker's at 26, five and five. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So and, and Griffin finished third. So I think that, you know, Booker finishing, I think he will get on a lot of ballots this year. 
I think he deserves to be on a lot of ballots because the Suns are so good and he's such a big part of that, but probably third, fourth. Yeah, I, I, I don't see Booker. I don't see Booker or CP getting to the top of the MVP ballot because they have each other. Um, I think the same thing would be true in in year in a year where Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are both healthy for the Clippers. Neither of them is going to win MVP. Um, the only one who transcends that is like LeBron on a, on a team because he can he yeah. can win MVP uh, just because he's LeBron, no matter who's who's around him. Um, but I just can't. I, yeah, I don't. Uh, this year, I don't see LeBron being anywhere close to that. No. And uh, I really, I really can't be okay personally with Jokic winning MVP because the Nuggets are sixth or seventh seed. You know, you can't do that. But Giannis and Bede, those are the kind of guys who are so um, heliocentric that uh, they'll be the guy who wins the MVP uh, by the time it's over. Um, one last comment uh, on book for MVP. I, I don't think he's going to win it. He's not going to win it. I'm like 99.9% sure the narrative will happen. People start talking about it because, and the Suns put this out on their Twitter account and I, I give them credit because I was going to look this up. Then all of a sudden it shows up in my timeline. There's only been um, for, uh, sorry, um, all 12 players in the history on the league's best team every year that have put up Booker numbers, 26, five and five. That's happened 12 times in NBA history, 26, five and five in NBA history that a, a player on their that team has had those numbers on the league's best team. How many times have they won MVP? Every times. time, yeah. every single time, 12 times Booker would be the first, just like two years ago, he was the first to have, um, uh, I think it was 26, seven and five without making the all-star game, um, without being an injury replacement. So he's got a point that he's not getting the respect that, uh, he, he deserves at this point because he's got, I think partially is because he's still got the stigma of the 70 point game, um, all those years ago, which is really sad that a 70 point game in history on a player's career, even his own recollection of his own career, it's going to be more of a stigma than it is an achievement. But, you know, I, I want to put that game on Earl Watson because he only had 60 with three minutes left. And then Watson started fouling on purpose to get book on the free throw line somehow. Um, but that, that is, it still would have been the youngest 60 point scorer, but he wouldn't have quite the stigma. Well, so Dave, I just want to jump in on this. Um, cause I, I subscribe to, uh, the athletic, and it's uh, for Suns coverage, especially. It's been fairly disappointing because usually every alert that I get, that's, that's yeah, new, new Suns coverage. It's just the NBA power ranking. Your Suns are still number one, uh, yeah. and 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 so I think it has to do a little bit with. Uh, and we talked about it briefly, coverage. but uh, coverage exactly. I mean, when uh, I forget who who's uh, who it was that gave the. Um, the, the hot take, but uh, she was with Matt Barnes and a lot of Suns. She's uh, the Matt. Lakers sideline person. So, okay. <laughs> so we, we can all not appreciate her takes then. Uh, but I mean, yeah. it's just, if, if right now the, I think the, the sports media landscape is so heavy in favor. I mean, the fact that the Lakers are still being talked about and they're what the 10th seed right now, um, you know, they're in 10th place right now. And then of course uh, the 76ers, because Harden went over there and the, the nets, um, although I think they're going to be, 
pretty dangerous in the playoffs, their record was still pretty awful. And so you have these teams that are at the very top that have been the entire year consistently good, but the media is like, well, hey, you know, we're going to fly you out on assignment to L.A. Oh, do I cover the Clippers? They're actually in the playoff running. No, go cover the Lakers. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that doesn't make a lot of sense. We're going to say that this is an important game. Yeah, we'll pretend it is. Uh, there, there's a vast difference between national media, regional media, and, and local media. The local and regional are still doing pretty well in terms of actually reporting on their own teams. Uh, but the national ones are just like, hey, Lakers get us ratings. Uh, you know, Nets, uh, where's Kevin Durant at? Where's James Harden at? Let's focus on them. And uh, I mean, look at the Bucks. The Bucks, uh, who we can at least grudgingly respect, won the title. And it's like, oh, yeah. And Giannis is still over there. So th they're doing well. But anyway, back down to, uh, you know, my like Miami gets a lot more attention. I, I think it's because they probably just love getting an assignment to go down to South Beach every now and then. Yeah. Hey, Lucas, um, do you have any thoughts on Clippers and Lakers coverage in the same town and, and by the same networks and all that? Any thoughts? Um, well, actually, it, it is pretty divorced. So, right, we um, different TV channels, different radio stations. Uh, but it is like so ESPN LA, like the local radio station is very much um, it's like a state media. Right. It's a, uh, and so, <laughs> so it's one of those things where it's like a, if you dare speak the truth, you'll find a new job. Right. Um, yeah. So so it, it does get a, a little bit like that. But fortunately, you know, NBA media is just so much more expansive now than, than it was even 10, 15 years ago. I mean, you know, you remember, Dave, uh, when, you know, there was a point in time where it's like the LA times didn't have someone on the Clippers. Like they, yeah. there wasn't an LA times. Back when that really mattered because there weren't people like us around. Yeah. Well, or, well, that's what, what, you know, we were right. Um, we were like, we were the beat. There was no, yeah. Beat. Uh, yeah. but now, now it's really expanded. You know, the NBA has become more popular and, uh, you know, Clippers coverage is great. I mean, they don't get the big market perks, uh, really in the same way that, that a lot of other, you know, the Knicks and the Nets and the Lakers mm -hmm. get, they do get some big market perks. I'm not saying that, that there's no, um, nothing good about it, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a, a tale of two teams within the city, but it's gotten much better. I think in the last decade as the Clippers have good. gotten better. Good. Because the Clippers deserve it. Uh, they're a much better organization overall. I, I, I have a lot more respect for the Clippers than I do for the Lakers. That's for sure. Um, yeah. So, no, I do. I do. No, uh, I, I, I was, even I was if they have that guy with the initials MM bit. on their team. Yeah. You know, I, Pat, I Pat Bev really upset me last year. I'm still kind of, I think okay. he's a T-Wolf now, so I'm just kind of, I'm letting it go. They traded I, him because he was so, uh, you know. That's right. They wanted so to play nice with the other teams again. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> go with that. One last comment on MVP vote. I, I Not in the chat today. I've been watching for it in the chat. So kudos. You guys are very, very good basketball fans in the chat. Thank you so much for being who you are. But I see a lot of takes on Twitter that why do we care about what the media thinks? Why do we care about what the media thinks? Just win games. Okay, it's both, guys. The Suns want to win games as a team. Devin Booker wants to win games. Monty Williams wants to win games. All that. But it's the media, about 100 of the media, national guys, who actually decide on the postseason awards. And contracts are built on your winning of those postseason awards. It may not be your current contract, but it's your next contract. Devin Booker right now is a year away from extension talks on his next 
max max contract. And when I say max max, it's because we've in the past few years talked around Suns land about your first max, your rookie max, where you can go up to $30 million a year. Devin Booker got the escalators if he made all NBA and all that in his current contract. It's too late for that. He's at the lower end of the max max. But now that Devin Booker is angling for his next contract, he can get a ton more money if he's made all NBA teams, if he's made MVP, if you could put in the contract, if you're top three MVP, generally it's only if you made MVP itself, this means money for Devin Booker. It probably means 40, $50 million to him. If he makes all NBA this year versus if he doesn't this, if he makes two all NBA teams this year and next year, He'll get more money potentially in his next contract than if he only makes one or none. So it matters to Devin Booker and don't hold it against him. If, if don't make it, don't tell, don't say, God, just focus on winning book. He is focused on winnings, but he's also focused on getting money in his next contract and don't hold that against him. So that's why these players care about these postseason awards and why they're so pissed off at media and why they hate media so much is because media decides how much money they make on some level in their careers. Well, and don't even, uh, don't forget sponsorship deals too. I mean, you know, NBA or like Nike would love to do. I mean, I think there's something that Booker was talking about with Nike coming up, but I mean, the, these types of players, like that was a big concern for Giannis. Remember uh, in Milwaukee, he was crushing it, uh, but everyone kept saying, okay, so when are you going to go out and play for a real team? And he's like, and I kept sitting there. I'm like, this guy is amazingly talented. But they're like, yes. But if he goes to a Miami or an L.A. Mm-hmm. or a New York, he'll get additional uh, sponsorship dollars for all kinds of brands that people don't well, want. Well, there's definitely sponsorship. But that's market-based, right? Yeah. I'm just talking about regardless of where you are, the media decides who's going to win stuff mm-hmm. and gives those votes for those players. And that decides how much money they're making regardless of the market. A guy like Devin Booker, I give him so much credit for wanting to stay in Phoenix. He's not in one of the biggest markets. He finally got in a Corona commercial. That's the first <laughs> commercial he's gotten into. Um, and this is after making the NBA Finals last year. Giannis is finally a big name despite being in Milwaukee, partially because the media has given him awards. And now Booker needs that. Well, and correction, Dave, he was a cartoon at one point uh, when he was at the barbershop. That's true. He he got a cartoon, and I think he got something when he was a rookie with two of his best friends, um, uh, Russell and and Kat. But since then, he's had basically nothing. All right, we are at 48 minutes. we got to get into our true-false. Let's move on to this next section. I've got these are generally quick hitters, but I think we're going to spend a little bit of time delving into them. Um, uh, not just quick answers, but I do want a quick answer. And then to follow up with why you, why you give this answer. This is a true false section. I want everybody to, um, participate in the chat. Give us your answers. My first true false for you guys. And we're going to start with Jake here. No, actually, sorry. We're going to start with Lucas here. Um, the Clippers are almost locked into the eighth seed. But will they end up playing the Suns in the first round? True, false. The Clippers will end up playing the Suns in the first round, which means they lose the play-in game. I will go false. Um, I think there's a better chance that they either win the 7-8 or lose both and fall out. Um, Because it's going to depend on Paul George coming back and Norman Powell potentially coming back. Kawhi, uh, they have said if the Clippers make it out of the play-in, Kawhi could play in the first round, but I don't think they're expecting him for these play-in games. 
Uh, he's mm. in these late stages of his rehab. So, yeah, so I think, you know, if Norman Powell and Paul George come back and are playing well, I think the Clippers can beat the Timberwolves in the 7-8 game. If they don't come back or if they come back and, and they're rusty, they're not playing well, the team doesn't mesh in the short amount of time they have together, I could very easily see them losing to the Wolves and then losing to the Pelicans. Interesting. So what is the prognosis? Give us the current um, status of uh, predictions for those guys coming back. Sure. So Paul George is, uh, he had his first practice uh, two days ago. It was uh, limited contact. So it was mostly like, like defensive walkthrough stuff. So he wasn't playing full contact yet. The expectation is that he will be able to get a few games in before the end of the regular season uh, heading into the play-in tournament, but that has not been, he hasn't been fully cleared yet. So really they're at this point where they've ramped him up. He's shooting, he's doing conditioning, and they're just waiting for that imaging to finally come back at a level that they're comfortable with uh, not having a chance of re-injury. Norman Powell, a little bit more of a question mark, but a more stable injury. Uh, he's been out already for about six or seven weeks, a type of injury you'd expect to maybe be, you know, at least eight weeks. So I think uh, he is out of his walking boot. He's been out of that walking boot for a couple of weeks. Again, I think he's a guy they're hoping to get back probably in those last three or four games in April to ramp up for the play-in tournament. Uh, Kawhi Leonard has been working out, again, ramping up, but has not practiced with the team yet, has not done any type of contact yet, and uh, could play in the first round if the Clippers make it out of the play-in tournament. Hasn't been ruled out of that, but I think also – could totally see a scenario where they make it out of the playing tournament and he still doesn't play in the first round. Okay. So you think they either win the play in and get seventh or they lose both is your more likely. Yeah. I think that's more likely than the win or lose than win. All right. Most of the folks in the chat are in the, in the false category kind of along you, Jake, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm false too. I, I just, uh, I, I didn't know they were, uh, that Paul George and, uh, uh, Powell were that close to coming back, but then again, uh, the Suns fans have been hearing about that Frank Kaminsky has been showing up to practice for like a month now, and he has not come close to putting on his jersey though during game time yet. So uh, I, I don't want to say I could totally see them pulling like a Kawhi and just being like, "I ah, will get to him next year." You know why? You know, uh, Buster Humps trying so hard uh, for this, but so I'm gonna, I'm going to go false. But uh, I think I, I definitely think they could definitely win that first game because uh, they play what the T Wolves uh, right now, right uh, for mm -hmm. the seventh eight. So I can see them winning that one. Yeah, and now I'll, just on a matchup front, uh, before you give your answer, Dave, the Clippers have the Clippers beat the Wolves three times this year. Uh, they did lose one game with no Paul George and no Nico Batum, which is really important because mm -hmm. they used Nico Batum against Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. The right. three games that they had Batum against Towns, they won by 20, all three games wow. against the Wolves. And I'll say this about the Pelicans. The Pelicans swept the Clippers. Well, they have one more game left this year, but they've the Clippers haven't beaten the Pelicans yet this year. The Pelicans swept the Clippers last year with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard by an average of like 23 points a game. So wow. the Wolves, the Clippers have a very – Jesus. They match up well with the Wolves. They match up terribly with the Pelicans. Like last year, the Pelicans were bad and they beat the Clippers all four times by an average of 20 points a game. Uh, now what Pelicans have played in those games? I'm just, uh, uh, Brandon Ingram. Yeah. Ingram you know, obviously is new. It's, it's these random, these little quick guards who aren't like that great. Like I know, uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker isn't there anymore, but he like 
destroyed the Clippers. Um, wow. Like Kira Lewis has had good games against the Clippers. So it's these, it's these fast guards because the Clippers uh, last year, you know, they, they did have Patrick Beverly, but he didn't really play much in the regular season between injuries and then playing some games, low minutes restriction, whatever. Uh, and now this year, you know, they, they just don't have young quick guards to yeah. match up with these young quick guards. And so they just get burned at the point of attack. It's why, you know, you remember in the Western Conference Finals, probably like one of the best games of any son in that series was Cameron Payne. In I was game just going to say Chris Cameron out Because, yep. and the Clippers did better. Like we were sitting there in the, in the press box at Staples Center saying like, okay, we need to survive this Cameron Payne bench shift because when he came in, he was so quick. Chris Paul is, Chris Paul's brilliant, of course, but he's a little bit slower and the Clippers can, can stay in front they have a hard time staying in front of these really quick guards. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to be, I'm just going to be the, the purveyor of dissent here. And I'm going to say that the Suns play the Clippers in the first round. Um, that does require them to have lost to the wolves in that, um, in that play in game, which means I suppose then that both Paul George and Norm Powell are not back together. Uh, and that bodes well for the sun. So I'm, I'm kind of making it happen. Sorry for you, Lucas. I want those guys. I do want health. I'm a fan of health. I've always said this, this should be my tagline. It's going to be on my gravestone. Dave's a fan of health. Um, I want, <laughs> people to be healthy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do want teams to be healthy and I want to beat them at their best. I'd rather actually play the Clippers. I'd seriously, I'd love to see the Clippers match up against a fully um, a fully healthy Clippers matchup against a fully healthy Suns. That would be my favorite matchup. I actually think the Clippers are more dangerous than the um, Golden State Warriors. And the reason I think that is this is not 2017 anymore. These aren't the <laughs> Warriors of pre-Kevin Durant anymore, even if they're all healthy. Okay, next true-false. Uh, we'll start with Jake this time. Wolves are one game behind Denver for sixth. Okay, so then you don't have to play in that plan. Do the Wolves overtake Denver for sixth in the next eight games? Yeah, I think they do. They're just a hotter team right now. Uh, they, I think they just came off of um, beating the Mavericks after losing to them and to us, I think was uh, – I, I might get the, the games wrong, but I thought they just uh, beat up on Luka. And, uh, yeah, I just think the T-Wolves are kind of hitting their stride, and the Joker is just – I don't think he's getting any help to come back. I, I don't think uh, – you know, you can't rely on Aaron Gordon as your number two. Uh, and I, some of the other guys, uh, Bones Highland is your number three. Um, so I I think uh, I think the Nuggets are going to sink. Yeah, Jamal Murray uh, play, practiced last week, and they shut him down the day after. So he's pretty much done for the year. Um, Michael Porter Jr. might make it back for them. Uh, so what? So what do you think? What do you think, Lucas? I think, I think the Nuggets will fend them off. Uh, they have an easier remaining schedule. Like you look at some, you know, Thunder Hornets, Pacers, Lakers, Spurs, Lakers again. Uh, lots of lots of like 500-ish or worse teams. Whereas you look at the Wolves have these next few games against, uh, you know, the Celtics, the Raptors, and then this head-to-head between the two. That could really be the pivotal game. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what the tiebreaker situation is between those two either. Uh, but I, I would say... I think Denver probably um, fends them off just strength of schedule. All right. I'm going to say the same. I think Denver stays in the sixth seed. 
I'm going to go true. I'm going to so false on that because my, my true false was Wolves overtaking Denver. I say Denver stays in the six. And I do think that's going to be a really fun game watching the Wolves and the Clippers. Um, uh, so that'll be interesting. And then it could be if that happens, then the loser, let's talk through the play in rules. So the seven, eight play each other for seven. And then the eight plays the winner of nine, 10. Am I correct on that? Yeah. So let's assume then that the uh, Clippers got themselves into seventh. Wolves lost that seven, eight game. Do the Wolves win over Lakers and Pelicans? Whoever wins that nine, 10. I think the Wolves make eighth. I th- yeah, I would. I think they would be the favorite for that. I mean, the Pelicans. Um, you know, the Pelicans are. Uh, I think they started the season like one in sixteen. Yeah. If that's something, if that's right, something awful. And yeah. then they're like, you know, since then they would be, you know, thirty and twenty six, which is not great. But if you know, they'd be ahead of the Clippers if they hadn't had that terrible start, right? So, and the Lakers. I think the Pelicans will beat the Lakers. Um, I'm not. I'm not super. Yeah, I don't think. I think so too. I think the Lake. I think the Lakers want. I I think they want this season to be over. Like, I don't think they're looking at this like we have this chance for redemption. I think they're like, can we please be done? This has been miserable. Yeah, Um, if they could forfeit the rest of their games, they probably would. (laughs) And and I think the Pelicans versus you know the Clippers or the Wolves. I mean, I I give them a shot, but uh, I would say if the Clippers beat the Wolves in the seven eight, I think the Wolves will hold on to eighth. Okay, those are my next two true falses. I kind of jumped ahead asking that question. Basically, will the Lakers or Pelicans? So, you're, Lucas, you're picking the Pelicans to beat the Lakers, and then would you say that the the Wolves beat the Pelicans? Yeah, if the Clippers beat the Wolves, then I think the Wolves would beat the Pelicans. If the okay. Wolves beat the Clippers, I think the Pelicans probably beat the wow. Clippers too. Interesting. I mean, we just never we can't beat them. We can't beat them. <laughs> we never we don't we never do. Uh, what do you think, Jake? Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, as Lucas was talking about, the Pelicans right now are so offensive heavy with uh, CJ McCollum and uh, Brandon Ingram there. And I mean, Zion, you, he's not coming back, but uh, Jonas Valunciunas. Valunciunas. Thank you. Uh, and uh, Jackson Hayes has kind of come on of late. Um, they They won't stop you defensively, but they might just outscore you in one game. And I don't think they can win a seven-game series, but they could definitely uh, win a game. My hot take on this right now is I think the Spurs might overtake the Lakers. Uh, and I don't think Lakers fans understand this because every time I see a Suns win or a Warriors win or a Grizzlies win, I see uh, a Lakers fan tweet at that person saying, your team is afraid to play us uh, in the playoffs. And Lakers might not make the playoffs. I Really, at this point, I you can't be a fan, a real fan of the Lakers, and think they are uh, looking good going into the play-in game. Right. Okay. That's interesting. So we'll see how that shakes out. I'm really curious. We'll talk a lot more about the play-in tournament um, as we get closer to the playoffs, because obviously the team that finishes eighth is the one who's going to play the Suns. Um, and then we'll talk about which team we fear most depending on their health, because you've got, you've got health issues with the Pelicans. I'm not talking about Zion. I don't think he's coming back, but you do have potentially uh, with Brandon Ingram's health and obviously CJ McCollum and all that. You've got health issues with the Clippers. The Wolves are fairly healthy. The Lakers, will they get AD back? I don't think AD even thinks he's coming back, but they're keeping that door open to keep the narrative. They're below 500 even in games he plays in. (laughs) Yeah, right. That doesn't even mean they're going to do well. Right. 
Okay. Uh, last true false. Actually, this isn't a true false because I asked before, it in a really just, awful way. I want to see a nine ten game between the Pelicans and the Lakers, where AD is back and has to go to oh, New Orleans yeah. to get eliminated. <laughs> to get eliminated. Ooh. Oh, that's my on the table. God, it's actually it's probably likely that that is what's going to happen. My head just yep. exploded. I think AD does not come back purposely so that he doesn't have to live that reality. Maybe. Wow. Holy crap. I have not heard that brought up and it didn't come in my mind. Oh my God. Okay. Um, our, we're we're going to skip that uh, final true false I had on here is terrible. It's not even a true false question. So we're going to skip that. We're going to go <laughs> in a future show. We're going to talk about who is the best, um, who, who are the best playoff uh, play in matchups and the most likely scenarios for the Suns, they won't know who they play until two days before they have to play that team. What I thought was awesome is Mikhail Bridges talking about their very first ever playoff series a year ago, the Suns. They finished second. They were also waiting for the play-in. They needed to know who was going to win the play-in tournament. Uh, so they did not know who they're going to play until two days before they played the team. And Mikhail still said, the Suns coaching staff had two hours of playbook for him to review hours worth of playbook to read the night before their first practice. So the Suns are the Chris Paul has said they're the most prepared uh, coaching staff he's ever had. And um, uh, I'm looking forward to, I don't think the Suns have to worry about whether they're prepared for whoever they end up playing. They're just going to, the Suns uh, coaching staff is probably just going to do four packets uh, depending on who wins and who loses those play-in games. It'll be, it's going to be really fun. And we're going to talk a lot more about this uh, and these potential um, um, teams that the teams face. So what's next? We're going to go to the fourth quarter of the show. And Lucas, you're even going to play along, even though you don't give a crap about the Suns. That's totally okay. Um, upcoming games this next week, the Suns. They have 60 wins today. If they get 63 wins, they'll set a franchise record. That's the only thing they have left to play for right now. Um, so the question is, how many wins are they going to amass through the end of the year? They have three games this coming week that should be very interesting games, but they're going to be a little less interesting because of the stakes are a little bit lower than they were. Um, they, they host the Sixers on Sunday. The Sixers are fighting for the one seed or the two seed or whatever seeding they're doing. And they're fairly healthy. James Harden and, and Joel Embiid are both playing uh, big minutes. That's an ABC game. It's an afternoon game. So everyone, you know, is going to play the Sixers are only one game behind Miami for the one seed. They're tied with Milwaukee for the second seed. And they're, and they're only a half a game ahead of Boston for the fourth seed. Um, the Sixers need to win on Sunday. Then the Suns are at the Warriors who are missing Steph Curry, but the Warriors really need to keep winning or they might even drop to fourth if it goes bad enough for them. Although the three games ahead of Utah for the third seed, um, the, the Warriors are pretty much stuck into that third seed. They need Steph back healthy, but he's not playing right now. And then they're at the Grizzlies. John Moran is not going to be even reevaluated for a knee strain which is funny because he had a back strain first and now it's a knee strain. Uh, so he's going to be out for two, at least two more weeks, which puts them right against the playoffs. Um, and so the Suns are home against the Sixers, at the Warriors, at the Grizzlies. What's the Suns' record this week? We'll start with Jake. Uh, I'm going to go with two and one. And did I just see, uh, is Cam Johnson a game-time decision for tomorrow? 
Is that is he? On he's almost back? coming back. Who was it? One of the guys said they didn't want to let the cat out of the bag. Was that it was a either flex? Booker or Paul. Oh no, no, no! It was one of the players post game, or maybe it's pre, maybe it's I don't know. One of the sons the other day said, "I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but I'm feeling good about Johnson coming. Cam Johnson coming back soon." So yeah, I think he's game time. Yeah. So uh, on this, I would. I, when I looked at this three game schedule, I would have probably said one and two or maybe even oh and three, honestly. But this team is so deep that even if Monty wanted to rest the starters or just get, you know, Chris Paul's going to demand to play anyway. But even if he scaled it back and said, OK, I'll give you 22 minutes instead of 35 minutes. The team is so deep that as long as Alfred Payton's not playing, we should have a chance to beat just about any team in the league. So as I think uh, Alfred Payton's not playing. And they're going to the start... starting point guard for Tom Thibodeau, coach of the year last year. <laughs> Gosh. Well, and, and I've been hearing that Embiid might be, uh, they might be looking at resting Embiid in the future for some of these games moving forward. I don't know how much that's still going to happen, but uh, the Warriors need to get healthy before they kind of go further because Draymond does not look like himself. And obviously yeah. Curry's out. So I think we can win that one. The tough one would be uh, the Grizzlies, uh, although I don't know. Uh, how much Morant wants to play at the, at this point too, because the, the, the top's kind of locked. So if, if the, you can't get to the number one spot, well, you, you might kind of take it easy too. So the Suns team's so deep. I just think uh, I'd say two and one, I'd say we'll probably drop to the Grizzlies. Two and one Lucas, after I gave that intro there, what do you think the Suns are going to do this week? I'm going to agree with Jake. I'm going to, I'm going to say two and one drop to the Grizzlies. Uh, I think the Suns are going to reach this point where it's like, okay, they don't really have a lot left to play for. But right now you've got still Chris Paul just getting back on the court. And so these are kind of meaningful reps when you've been missing a, such an important player for such a long time. Like you really want to get the most out of these next three or four games uh, just to kind of, I know the Suns mesh really well. They played a lot of games together before Chris Paul got hurt, but you just want to kind of get, get everything clicked back into place. Uh, and Chris Paul is going to want to beat Doc Rivers. Um, like that's gonna that's an that's an angle to the Sixers game. Um, right. But that road game against the Grizzlies is going to be a tough one. The Grizzlies are really good, uh, and I think the Suns do start to take the foot off the gas a little bit. Um, especially with Chris, you know, uh, I've, if anyone knows, I know, right? Like, yeah, you would. Chris pa- Chris Paul is gonna gonna strain a ligament in his thumb or, or pull his hamstring or something, and you want to like keep that guy in bubble wrap. Uh, it's in, in games that don't matter. <laughs> the problem is, is he tears the bubble wrap off. That's his problem. Yeah. But, but he, I mean, when he was with the Clippers, he would, um, he would sit games for rest near the end of the season as well. Uh, the Clippers were never in this position where you're 10 games ahead of the league with eight games left. Uh, so I don't know exactly how he'll do it, but like, I've actually been eyeballing, uh, tell you selfishly, you know, the Suns have this Lakers Clippers back to back where they play the Lakers in Phoenix on Tuesday, April 5th. And then they fly to LA to play the Clippers in LA on Wednesday. I've been kind of looking at that and thinking, I wonder how many guys are coming on that plane. Because <laughs> yeah. um, the, Clipper, the Clippers did it actually. They had a game, uh, you know, one of these seasons where they were already clinched and they had a back-to-back where they went from LA to Utah. Uh, and they didn't even, they kept all the starters in LA. They just sent the bench and the prospects to Utah. <laughs> so. Wow. So that that I've kind of been eyeballing that as a potential free. That's win interesting. For the Clippers. I, I I can totally see the Suns doing that because there's no way Chris Paul will let himself be um, played on a lower you know lower minutes, unless he's just not in the game at all or yeah. not even in the city. So I <laughs> keep him in that. another state. Well, yeah. and the Suns need to figure out their 
you know, emergency point guard situation. I, I it looked like it was going to be Aaron Holiday. I think it's still Aaron Holiday. There was that debate about for a little while with Suns, yeah, Suns fans about whether we should cut Frank Kaminsky and uh, so because we don't want to let Alfred Payton go. And, no, uh, yeah, okay, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And and I think what uh, and then sign Ish Wainwright through the playoffs. Yeah, uh, Ish is on a two way. Yeah. Um, so if you want to keep ke- team chemistry and all that, and Ish is a great, he's a he's a he's a good linebacker on the sidelines uh, in case there's any kind of fights that happen. And, and after the Denver game the other night, we, we, we might need him to defend uh, Chris Paul against Jeff green. Um, so that's interesting. I would say, I would definitely say that um, the Suns will try to keep Ish in the, in the playoffs. Um, that would mean, yeah, either letting elf or Frank go. And, and I honestly, I'm on the elf bandwagon of, of, letting him go. I, I I would rather see Frank come back if that's even a possibility, which I hope it is. Even if uh, Frank can't come back, would you rather have injured Frank than yeah, possibly play I'd rather have six fouls of a big man <laughs> uh, against us, uh, you know, a Giannis type player. And, and just because the way Cam Payne is playing is phenomenal. Chris Paul, we already know. And Aaron holiday can do those emergency spot minutes. And Landry Shamit has actually, not been horrible uh, of the over the last yeah. several games, so uh, I feel very good going into the stretch. Yeah, we didn't take him uh, any time, Lucas. I, I I wasted a little bit of time today not having you recap your uh, your experience with Chris Paul and then your experience with Landry Shamit, but they've both been incredible for the Suns. And one of these times, I want to have you back if the Suns actually end up playing uh, the Clippers. Um, in the playoffs, I want to have you back. And I do want to talk about your experience with both those guys, uh, as long as you promise not to mention that other guy on your team. Yeah. The other uh, guy's not, you know, he's not a part of that conversation. (laughs) Okay, good. Um, All right. So I, my prediction for this coming week is actually three and O for the Suns. I think they're on such a freaking prove it to everybody role that they're not going to let up against the Sixers, Warriors and Grizzlies. If they're going to let up, it's going to be, a little bit closer to the end of the season. It's going to be against a non-playoff team. Um, and that's because they're going to, they're not even going to send those guys uh, to the city. Um, I like what Lucas said. I think <clears throat> the Sixers, they're going to want to win on ABC and the Sixers are going to play Joel Embiid and James Harden. And Chris Paul's not only going to want to beat Doc Rivers, he's going to want to beat James Harden in a game. Uh, and then at the Warriors, I think the Warriors have been have been talking all kinds of crap this year about the Suns whenever they can, especially Draymond Green. So the Suns are going to want to punk the Warriors. Who cares if whether Steph is playing or not? And then against the Grizzlies, I mean, John Moran had that four step game winner um, against the Grizzlies earlier this against the Suns earlier this year. So I think the Suns are going to want to just get that step foot on the on the neck win against the Grizzlies as well. I think the Suns do have something to play for this week. It's the week after where they're going to start resting guys is my is my prediction. So I say they go 3 and 0 this week. Um all right, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Uh you guys, Lucas, tell us where we can find you around the web. Sure, yeah. Uh Twitter at Lucas J Han. You see my name's well there just the J is in the middle. Uh at 2 and 3 hoops is my blog. Um, my podcast is the lob, the jam, the podcast, or if you just search two and three hoops and where you get podcasts, it'll come up. We actually have an episode coming out today with Reggie Jackson. That is going to be really exciting. Nice. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, I think I did a better job booking than you did. <laughs> you, got, <laughs> you got stuck with me. You, um, you leveled up, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so we got a great episode coming out today with Reggie and, uh, you know, 
I hope uh, not to see you again for a little while. But uh, if we do, it'll be a good time. <laughs> I would I would love to have another. I thought that was a fun playoff series last year. All in all, obviously, I have more fond memories than you do, probably. Um, but definitely, I, I thought it was a great series, and that, that'd be fun to. Fun well, to, I, fun I to hope go. I hope we get I hope we get seven and see you back in the conference finals again when Chris Paul's been playing for a month because I don't think and Kawhi Leonard and and Paul George are back. Yeah, you know, I I don't think that um that these that the Clippers are going to get to kind of their idealized version of themselves. Even if Kawhi, even if all three of these guys come back, they're not going to be. You know, uh, they're, they're not, not going to together. Yeah, they're not going to be able to read each other's minds and, and yeah. play. You know, top but, notch is what. But if they can upset Memphis, and then you know, you know, we see what happens. Hey, right? I want you then, guys uh, to upset Memphis. That would be yeah. Nice. I'm sure you do. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. Thank you, Jake. Where can we find you? Yep. Uh, at Fallen Founder on Twitter. Uh, currently trolling the Lakers, uh, who just don't quite seem to understand where their team actually is in the world right now. <laughs> Lakers fans never understand where their team is. In the world right now. And national media is supporting that notion. They also don't know where the Lakers belong in, in the world right now. And they know they're uh, in Los Angeles. They know they're in. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that, that part they're aware that's of. All, that's all they get right. Um, all right. Um, my name is Dave King. You can find me at Dave King NBA on the Twitter. You can find my blog, brightsideofthesun.com. And you can find this podcast. We also have, make sure you subscribe. Subscribe to this podcast, the audio version, because we also do midweek episodes as well um, that are just through the audio feeds. So go find Sun Solar Panel on your podcast feeds if you want more, even more of Dave. Um, and everybody wants more Dave, I'll tell you that. Um, so step me. That's right. <laughs> so uh, you can find us all. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us today. Thank you to the Flaming Ballers in the chat. I really appreciate you guys' input. Uh, you guys are great fans, and uh, we'll see you all again next time.